Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. But are you with me now that as into every Met game as I am, as we are, these Brave games now are on almost an equal footing? Because, look, this 79-44. and 44. The Mets are on pace to win 103 games. Win total-wise, we're probably going to be really happy with that final number. But as long as it's one more or equal to the number that the Atlanta Braves have, that's all that matters. So, I'm certainly there. Are you there, Hoff, where these Brave games now are on equal footing? Yeah, and I was actually disappointed that the Astros didn't hand, like, you know, this demolish the Braves because so far every team I've seen that, like, has been, like, a top-tier team, the Astros have handled with ease. So the fact that the Braves did so well against them pisses me off. Yeah, no, listen, and because there are a lot of games on this schedule where you look at and say, oh, my God, the Braves are going to win every game. Like, they're about to play three games against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm hopeless. I'm thinking, okay, they're going to win all three games. So the Mets better win their two games against the Yankees. They're going to lose ground. Even when they go to St. Louis, though the Cardinals are a competent team, I've got no confidence in that. Then they play the Rockies, the Marlins, the Athletics. It's like, Jesus, man, I don't, I can't rely on all these other crappy teams to beat the Atlanta Braves. And I get it. The Mets lost three out of four to Atlanta. The Mets had a chance to take care of their own business. But in fairness, the Mets have taken care of their own business. They've beaten the Atlanta Braves throughout this season. While they didn't in that four-game series, we got to look at the whole shebang. They won four out of five against Atlanta at City Field a week earlier. They won two out of three in Atlanta a month earlier. And how about Buck's comment? Did you see that comment he made about the... uh, Ice cream machine that the Atlanta Braves got. I did see that, yeah. I love this. I love Buck and his balls. I love this. And Gary Cohn repeated the story on the broadcast, first I saw of it, that Alex Anthopoulos, that absolute fraud, I'll rip him in a second, the general manager, <coughs> excuse me, of the Atlanta Braves, said to Darno, hey, you guys beat the Mets. We'll get you an ice cream machine, a soft serve machine for the locker room. So they tell that story to Buck Showalter, and he said, oh, yeah, what'd they take away from them when we won four out of five at City? (laughs) Now, in all seriousness, here's my issue with Alex Anthopoulos. And I think I've been very consistent about this in the past. How do you let that piece of crap, Marcelo Zuna, back into your locker room, how do you let that man back into your lineup? How do you do that? The DUI is one thing, but you let him back before that when he beat the crap out of his girlfriend 
And you didn't seem to have that big of an issue with that. He's a disgusting human being. He shouldn't play Major League Baseball. And while baseball already gave him their suspension, you have every right to say, you know what? I'm done with you. A, you're not that good. But really more important than that, you're a scumbag. So, listen, when I saw that report, I figured, well, this is easy. They're just going to release him. They're going to get rid of him. Why have him around? And he's in the starting lineup. I think it's disgusting. But, okay, that's what they want to do. They can do what they want to do. That's fine. I was surprised to see him back, to be honest with you. It's confusing to me because you see, like, and I'm not trying to compare the two between Trevor Bauer and Marcelo Zuna. They're all they're, they're all different circumstances. But they basically, MLB went out of their way to make sure that Trevor Bauer would never play another day in Major League Baseball. And Marcelo Zuna, they let him right back in. Well, they, they suspended him, right? So they suspended Marcelo Zuna. He served it. The Braves brought him back. Not really a decision that I think most Brave fans would even agree with. Now, he gets this DUI, which is bad and dangerous. Obviously, could kill somebody. And I'm just surprised they brought him back. Now, I want to give credit to the Brave fans because I got a call like I see it. Well, I think Alex Anthopoulos made a huge mistake in letting him back. The Brave fans showed a lot of class because you know what they did? They booed the crap out of him. So obviously, the Brave fans, they know what's up. And they don't want this guy on their roster. So kudos to the Brave fans. I mean, I, I hope we would do the same, that we would be you know, pissed off at this guy getting yet another opportunity. But uh, credit to the Brave fans down there because I saw that and I wanted to point that out. Because I'm not just going to sit here and rip Anthopolis and rip the Braves and just move on. I want to give credit to the Brave fans down there. As much as we may not like them, as much as we may all be rivals, I thought that was freaking awesome. And they didn't just boo him. They booed him loudly. They gave you, they gave you a very clear message that I wish the organization would listen to. And that's DFA, D-U-I. DFA Marcelo Zuna. All right. As far as this series is concerned with the Yankees, uh, <laughs> this should be fun. I got to tell you, Hoff, tell me if you agree with me on this, okay? Because Hoff is the the Yankee hater, okay? Yes, yes. I'm happy the Yankees won the finale of this series against Toronto. I did not want them coming into this two-game series off a four-game sweep at the hands of the Blue Jays. It's Beningo logic. Joe has had this logic before a lot in the NFL where you don't want a good team coming off a loss. I didn't want the Yankees coming off another bad loss. Your thoughts? I, I agree. Um, and the way that we've seen this team recently play the New York Yankees, even when they do have a win that's like a big win, it means nothing because the next day they come out flat. So it's it's good. I, I, that's great. Congratulations. You, you, you were able to take one game in the series versus Toronto, and now you're going to have a difficult time with the Mets. I, I feel very confident with the series. I feel like I'd prefer to see DeGrom out there, personally speaking. I know they're talking about Taiwan coming back, but I'd like to, I would like to just end this two-game sweep in Yankee Stadium, call it a day. And by the way, you touched on the whole momentum thing, how they're not able to build off of big victories. Like that win they had last week on the game-winning Grand Slam by Josh Donaldson felt like a, oh my God, they're going to build off of that. Well, in fairness to them, their starter the next day, and it's always a cliche thrown around, your momentum is as good as your next day's starter. Well, their starter, Frankie Montas, gave up five runs in the second inning. I mean, it's tough to build momentum. Now, they didn't hit. I acknowledge that. 
And when you're not hitting, it looks like you're lifeless and you don't care. But I think the Yankees have been an example at times this season, and certainly Wednesday into Thursday was a great example of it, that it's not as easy as one big hit breaks you out of it. Now, the Yankees will have that opportunity again because their win on Sunday against Toronto sort of featured that one big hit, the home run by Benintendi in the seventh inning after they blew the lead. But it's not as simple as that. On Monday night, Max Scherzer faces Domingo Herman. If the Met offense is relentless against Herman, Benintendi hitting a home run in the seventh inning of Sunday don't mean anything. And if Max Scherzer is Max Scherzer and can again be Aaron Judge's daddy, then Andrew Benintendi hitting a two-run home run in the seventh inning doesn't mean anything. So I could also use that point to argue against myself, saying, hey, even if the Yankees lost and they're coming off a sweep at the hands of the Blue Jays, if those things I just said continue to happen, that wouldn't matter either. I'm just telling you, as I was watching that game, there was a part of me saying, you know what? I wouldn't mind if the Yankees find a way to win. But it should be an interesting couple of days with Scherzer definitely against Domingo Herman, Frankie Montas, who's really struggled so far as a Yankee, against either Jacob deGrom or Taiwan Walker in the finale of that two-game series. And then we can put the Subway Series to rest. I do think this Subway Series comes in with a very different kind of hype. I think the last time they played, a lot of it was Mets versus Yankee comparisons. The Mets season versus the Yankee season. Uh, let's compare the positions of each Met player to each Yankee player. I don't think we have that at all coming into this series. I think it's about the two separate issues facing each team. In the Yankees' case, their struggles that have lasted a while, depending on when you want to start the calendar on their struggles. But no doubt, a team that has not played good baseball for a while and have at least made the American League East a tad closer. A seven-game loss column difference between them in Tampa and them in Toronto. They still have a comfortable lead, but obviously things are closer today than they were when the Yankees and Mets played each other a month ago. So I think the Yankees story is unique to itself, and the Mets story is what is turning out to be an epic race between them and Atlanta. This is a great pennant race. In 2006, there was no competition for the National League East. In 2015, once the Mets got hot, there was no competition for the National League East. This is a race. And you do have the security blanket of a wild card spot, but that wild card spot is, it's, it's, it's not, something you feel comfortable with. It's a best of three series. And as great as Scherzer and DeGrom are, and as much as you love having those games in your building, which you could be pretty assured the Mets would have if they lost this division just based on the way the standings are set up right now, that wouldn't make me feel good. i tell you right now, I wouldn't feel all warm and fuzzy about that. And just for the record, their lead over at least the top wild card spot, which means if the Braves caught them, and the Mets finished behind Atlanta, the top wildcard spot assures that you have all three games in your own building in that wildcard series. Their lead in the loss column is pretty damn big. It's actually 12 games over the San Diego Padres. Actually, the Phillies are ahead of them. No, the Padres are ahead of them because San Diego is 68 and 56, and Philadelphia is 66 and 55. So they're a half game behind San Diego. So it's a significant lead over at least the top wild card spot. But who wants to deal with that? 
Who the hell wants to deal with a wild card series? I sure as hell don't. None of us do. <laughs> so hold them off. But right now, the Mets are on pace to win 103 baseball games, which is the biggest number of our lifetime. We have never seen a team, because you know, I'm too young for 88 when they won 100. I've never seen a team win that many games. I haven't seen, or the Mets win that many games. And here's what's crazy. The Atlanta Braves are on pace to win 99 games. So the Braves are on pace, a shade under 100 wins, and not win the National League East. So this is a great race, but it's going to be stressful. My stomach was churning for the finale of this series. Expect a lot of stomach churnings coming up over the next couple of weeks as we embark in an old-fashioned pennant race. Don't go. Don't, don't leave just yet. I know you want to hang up. But I got to stop you right there because there's one thing you haven't touched this whole podcast. You've kind of like pushed over. You have to talk about the one concern about Brett Beatty's game, which is his defense. Yeah. So when we did the Rico after the Atlanta series, I think the comment I made to you about his defense is, yeah, it wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad was the comment. Eh, not that bad. But it was also only two games. <laughs> now we've gotten to watch him. For four games, he's going to have to hit to remain in this lineup. And obviously, for now, he's going to be in this lineup just because he's the best option that they have. You know, Yelmer Sanchez, who they picked up for depth, is not all of a sudden going to become your everyday third baseman. It's not going to happen. So Brett Beatty is your guy for the foreseeable future. And I think right now, Yelmer comes in late for defense because Beatty's defense is very, very shaky. But he's so the best option at third base that right now, it's just easy. He's out there. He's a starting third baseman. If you have a lead late, Yolmer Sanchez comes in to play third. Once Escobar and Guillerme are healthy, I think this discussion becomes very interesting. And it's too early to really tell you where I'd go because the guy's only played six games as a Met. If he's hitting enough, I think he's your starting third baseman and Guillerme comes into games very quickly. That's probably what you're looking at. If he hits enough, the question is, can he hit enough? Uh, the scouting report on his defense, I think I said this to you last week, was shaky. And he wasn't great defensively. <coughs> We've seen it. He isn't great. He's not. Jeff McNeil has been awesome at second base. Lindor has been really good at shortstop. Alonzo continues to get better at first base. I think it's just one of those cases right now where you run him out every day, you replace him late with a lead. And then let's reevaluate when this team gets healthier. I think that the best case for Beatty is that he hits enough, he plays, and he still comes out late for defense when Luis Guillerme comes back. Because Guillerme is an upgrade over everybody. So it's no knock that he would have to come out late for defense. But I think for now, especially when you look at this schedule and it softens up in September, he's going to get a chance to play every single day. And hopefully he gets better defensively. But yeah, you are right, Pete. He's a little shaky. Yeah, and I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be cruel, or whatever. But a lot of people were like, I made one comment. A lot of people came came at me on Twitter, and I said this: I was like, just to be fair, you guys rightfully dogged Eduardo Escobar for a lot of shaky plays at defense at third base. You shouldn't just go and you know chalk it up as oh, it was a tough play to make for Brett Beatty at third base because you like Brett Beatty. That's that's all I'm gonna say because that was the same thing with Ike Davis and uh, and uh, Lucas Duda when they came up. Ike Davis, you know, I know it's a different comp because you know. Duda was a better hitter. Davis was a better fielder. But everyone gave Davis a little bit more wiggle room. 
because they like them. Well, but, but he's going to get wiggle room only because he's the best option to play right Oh, now. of course, and I'm fine with that, but I don't want there to be like, oh, well, you know, it was a tough play. Everything, not everything is a tough play. Let me just no, put no. that way. He's been shaky defensively. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, watching him for the six games we've watched him, every ball to third base is an adventure. And you can tell Gary Cohn feels that way because there was a play... I'm trying to remember when it was. Keith Hernandez made a point of it in the like one of the first or two first two games he played. A ball he he <laughs> he kind of almost lifted his glove up a bit too early. Keith's like, eh, look at that glove. It's come up a bit early. That almost that almost stuck through. Like they're on point. They're on top of oh, it. Oh no doubt. There was an inflection in Gary's voice when there was a runner on second in the third inning, and the final out was a ground out to third base, and you could hear Gary say, "Ground ball to third, and the like he just. I can't even describe it other than you could tell Gary was worried, just like I'm worried, just like you're worried. But I think right now it's there's no debate on what to do. You play him. He he gets the next few weeks to play. I know you got Mark Vientos in AAA as well. I'm trying to remember what I've read about Vientos' defense. I don't think he's great defensively either. But I think right now it's Beatty's time. It's an opportunity for him. If he hits enough, they'll find a way to get his bat in the lineup. But just being out there is good experience. So, yeah, he's not great defensively, but there's no end game to this other than let him play every day. And once Escobar and Guillerme are healthy, specifically Guillerme, because he had become the everyday third baseman, then we evaluate. Look, he also had a really tough series overall against Philadelphia. I mean, he did not have a lot of great at-bats. He struck out three times in the finale of this series uh, after hitting that uh, home run in his first at-bat and then the two-run single, I forget when, I think it was the first game of this series, the Aaron Nola game, he hadn't hit a lot. So, look, he, he had a tough series. But you run him out there every day. And you let him play, and you hope he gets better. Anything else? That's about it. All right, good. That was Subway. my one frustration. That was my one frustration that I think I got, I got killed on for whatever reason. I don't know why. Well, I mean, because people are probably implying that you want to bench him or something. No, I don't want to. No, 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 no. But I, but I just made a made an observation, and that's okay. We have yeah. observations. That's all we do. We're, we're we the- all agree with that object. I mean, I can't imagine anyone's watched these six games and say, "Yeah, Brett Beatty's uh, Brooks Robinson at third base." He's not. Definitely no David Wright. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, he's not. And did you? By the way, did you did you harp on Mark Canna a little bit because that that dude deserves a little love? Yeah, Mark Canna, man, that was freaking awesome. And I got to give Jed all the credit in the world because a few weeks ago. Uh, as a season ticket holder, I had the opportunity to have my kid run on the field with a Met, and Jet's player was Marcana. And apparently, Jet told Marcana, I love your at bats and the way you battle. And <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's, that's what point. he told him. And Canna said, Thank you. Just enjoy playing baseball. It's all about having fun. Well, Mark, we're having fun watching you with those two huge home runs against the Philadelphia Phillies. So thank you, Mark Canna, and thank you, Jet, for inspiring him because now all of a sudden he's a slugger since they had their conversation a couple of weeks ago. We'll be on after the Subway Series at some point. We guarantee it'll be in your inbox wherever you download your podcast by Wednesday morning with another edition of Rico Bronia. I'm back with Craig all this week, 2 o'clock on WFAN. We'll be at and around Yankee Stadium on Monday. We'll get you set and react to the Subway Series. A lot of baseball coming up, including a special show from Jet Camp coming up later in the week. Thank you for listening to Rico Brogna. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Brogna podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 